back something small Take what you need and we disappear Without a trace we'll be gone, gone The moon and the stars will follow the car Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. And that opening music can only mean one thing. The CEO of Chateau Relaxo is back for another episode. And tonight we're talking about summer along the Georgia coast. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Like I said in the intro tonight, we are joined by the CEO of Chateau Relaxo again, and we're talking about summer along the Georgia coast. How you doing tonight? Doing awesome. How about you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Our typical Chateau Relaxo 2020 summer trip was condensed into roughly a three-night, 600-mile road trip heading up into Savannah, Georgia, and then stopping back in St. Simons before coming back home. And we had toyed with what other vacation ideas did we have before we came upon this? Lexington, Kentucky. Yep. For the whiskey tour. Uh, something in Pennsylvania. Yep. And we're not getting on a plane. No. So no. we decided to condense this into a road trip. And this is probably the longest and furthest that we've been away from home in the last... Six months. Six months, four months, five months. I'm losing count. Um so we took the dreaded I-95 up into Savannah. And if you've ever been on I-95, it is exactly the same. No matter what state you're in, no matter what part of the country you're in, I-95 is just a giant bowl of suck. Uh, what did you think of the roads? More traffic, less traffic? Uh, yes, it was not as congested as typically. And typically, I-95, especially every time we come back into Florida, seems to be a little bit more congested. And we really thought when we left the state that we were going to see a roadblock of them, what, checking people? Well, they said back in March, April, probably between April and May, that people were being stopped coming into Florida to check IDs. And if you were coming in, you had to quarantine for 14 days. So I was thinking in my mind that we would be stopped heading out. And we weren't going into Georgia, we were surprised. So let's kind of take this through the whole trip. Our first stop was in Palm Coast for lunch. And we stopped at the, what was it, Brass and Tap? Brass and Tap. And this was the first time we had eaten outside of our, what, 10 mile circumference. Right. <laughs> what, did, what did you notice? Anything? Well, there's signs all over the doors. You know, you have to wear a mask. The bar stools were turned up so you couldn't sit at the bar. We were one of two tables being served, and this was Saturday. Or was it? No, it may have been midweek. I think we, we went Wednesday. Yes. So midweek. But still, even it was lunch hour-ish, so you would have thought more than two tables. The first thing I noticed was that the menu was on a QR code. You know, we shot the QR code with our phone. They weren't handing out menus. Um, so you, well, of course you would. You're tech savvy. <laughs> <laughs> but food was good, but it was it was a bit odd, um, and I still don't understand the whole premise of walking into a place wearing a mask, then taking it off to sit at a table to eat, then putting it back on and walking out. But that's neither here nor there. So our first hotel was Savannah at Hilton Garden Inn. Correct. And we love Hilton Garden Inns. 
what was your first impression, especially when it comes to COVID preparedness? Uh, the valets greeted us with masks. It was hot. I mean, it was... It was very hot. Savannah, if you've never been to Savannah in the summertime, it is hot. What did, uh, I would say it was at least 100 degrees. It was, it was rough. Um, there were signs everywhere. Right. As well as um, when we got to the elevator, the elevator looked like a twister board. There were little blue Hilton branded dots in each kind of corner of the elevator telling you where to stand and social distancing. On the floor. On the floor. And I don't think we ever got in or out of an elevator with anybody else. I don't think there was anybody. I think that the hotel probably wasn't that full. What about the hotel room? Anything special about Savannah? No. There was no labels. There wasn't anything. No. The only only notable thing in the room was a sound machine. (laughs) Yes. That is something we don't typically have when we travel. And then we found out as we opened the blinds, we were facing towards the river and the uh, the ships in the morning. In which it's Savannah's version of I ninety five. That's exactly it, but on 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 water, and which turned to work out pretty well because I forgot my power supply for my breathing machine to keep me alive at night. So I'm lucky I made it through this this vacation. Uh, what about the breakfast area? Um, there was people sitting there eating, but nobody, they were not serving food. And then the, the bar looked like it had a very limited source of bottles that in the evening they would pour, but they were not enticing you to sit there and be entertained. And usually that's one of the draws of Hilton Garden is for us is that there's usually a bar and, and hot food. And I think you could get room service, but we never made it that far. So that night we walked around City Market. Correct. Which is kind of the the uh, thoroughfare behind the hotels off of uh, Bay Street. And it was, was it early? It was like five o'clock, wasn't it? Maybe. Um, it was it was getting dusk. So, so maybe I it would... was closer to six. Yeah. But a lot of the stores were already closed. I was surprised. Right. Those were, uh, and there was one or two restaurants that were open. There was maybe, this is usually a very congested area, and there might have been at the most a dozen people walking around. It was light. So we ended up going into poor Larry's bar, or down the stairs into poor Larry's bar. And this was the first time we had been to a bar since last time we were in Savannah. Right. So it had to be mid-March or so. Um, what did you think, besides the two-for-one, which I was all about, what did you, what was your take on the bar? Um, it, it was clean. There was us and one other couple, but it was, again, very nerve-wracking walking into a place. You're not sure if you can touch the bar stools, if the counters have been wiped down. You know, both of you and I were standing social distancing from the bar to the bartender. And, you know, then they invited us to sit down. And we had a conversation with both bartenders after that while we enjoyed our beverage. And they had lots of, uh, I don't know, bar-type bar games on the right. bar, which, and I'm not a germaphobe, but it really did kind of make me think a little bit. And so what was interesting about the bartender? He had COVID. He had COVID. He had COVID. He, contact, he came in contact with somebody when he went to a party in Atlanta. And he came home. He was asymptomatic. So he was good, but that was probably, that was the first person. And since then, I've, I've had other friends that have had contracted it and been okay. But that was really the first person for me that I had actually talked to that had had it. So, and so that was Tuesday night. 
and uh, for dinner we went to our favorite pizza place and we were actually there for our 10th anniversary so we had had dinner 10 years previous on the night before our wedding at Vinny Van Gogh's pizza place and so if you've never been to Savannah it's worth stopping it at Vinny Van Gogh's it used to be that they only accepted cash but now they accept plastic because nobody's accepting cash it's a very small restaurant with no air conditioning it is hot and they maybe have five tables and they're right there in the middle of the city what well, a city city market. city market and so they also were doing the QR code for ordering yep so there nobody was handing out any kind of menus anything that you and could touch and you don't go in and go back so that pretty much wrapped up Tuesday. Wednesday, we got up and we went to breakfast at the Maple Street Biscuit Company. We had we had planned to go to, oh, and we ended up going there on Thursday morning before we left town. They turned out to be closed on Wednesday, but we went to the Maple Street Biscuit Company, and they were pretty well taking COVID precautions pretty seriously. Right. So... Um, the Maple Street Biscuit Company, when you went in, you went through the typical Disney line where you line, <laughs> you weave through, and they did the social distancing where you stand on the spots. And then you had your choice, and of course, everything consisted of a biscuit. So biscuits and gravy, biscuits and eggs, biscuits and vegetables, biscuit, biscuits and grits. And it was it was really good. It was good. They, uh, they did. They served your drinks separately. Um, you ate upstairs. Um, they were they were doing a good job of cleaning. I had the five, which was a flaky biscuit, all natural fried chicken breast, fried of course, uh, pecan wood smoked bacon, and of course, cheddar cheese with a house made sausage gravy and some shiitake mushrooms as well. And you went with the grit bowl, I believe. Bluegrass. Bowl. The BGB, the Blue Glass Grit So bowl. it had grits or hominy cut with cream cheese and butter, topped with pecan wood smoked bacon, one sunny side egg, cheddar cheese, chives, and a splash of hot sauce. We dealt with, we made shrimp and grits last night. We were, we were trying to disseminate what an actual splash of hot sauce is. Um, you, of course, beat me. Yours was about 400, 500 calories. Mine was a whopping 1,200 calories to start the day. So on a scale of one to five, Maple Street Biscuit Company. I give them a five. A five. Okay, good for And you. they were affordable. They were. It wasn't bad. Um, and then from there, it was probably late morning. It was probably more of a brunch than a breakfast. And so we headed back through a couple of the squares because we always like walking the squares and headed down to River Street, which is the street that runs along the river. And the cobblestones and staircases. Walking through Savannah, Georgia <laughs> at probably 11 or 12 o'clock in the morning with a mask on was extremely hot. It was, it was, it was rough. I mean, I'm usually pretty good, but it was definitely hot. And the cobblestones, I think, have grown an inch or two since the last time we were there. My, my, uh, calves were just beat to death from walking and most everything was open. We walked mm -hmm. in all the gift shops. Um, but by 12, 30, one o'clock, we were done. We headed back to the room, um, turned on the sound machine. Took a nap. Took a nap. And that's what you do on vacation. That's what vacations are about. We woke up at 2.55 and you had a three o'clock meeting. I had a three o'clock meeting. So I uh, did one of these Zoom meetings from the hotel room and everybody noticed, hey, that's not your normal background. And I'm like, no, 
it's not. So from there, we went across, back across the street towards River Street and stopped at Jerry's Antiques. Yes. Which was the Sanford and Son of Antiques. Uh, it's it's like uh, freight ships coming from Europe with huge pieces of European furniture. It was out of control. I mean, they had... They had thousands of dollars. They had bars that were the size of Cheers. Uh, they had recently sold one. The, the, the bar setup had to have been $45,000. It was just, I don't know how they even knew everything that they had in there. And then from there, we went uh, across the street to the at- Attic, Attic Antiques, I think it was. And I finished my pipe collection with my last pipe. So I've got uh, five or six antique pipes that have been in the mouths of five or six different guys all across the country. And from then, we kind of walked the uh, the streets for the rest of the afternoon. Um, and so what did you think, COVID-wise? How was Savannah? Uh, the, definitely, when we were in March, it was very crowded. Of course, it was going into St. Patrick's Day. You know, people hustling and bustling all through the streets, you know, with their liquid refreshments. And then here, and you know, a couple weeks ago, it was... Probably seventy-five percent less people there. And we really, we—I think we went to Poor Larry's, had a couple of drinks that night, and just we didn't do much. We didn't buy a single thing at City Market, and we we typically do. I mean, we every time we go, we you know usually pick up a Christmas ornament for the tree. I mean, we've gotten all kinds of things there, but we didn't leave there with a single trinket. No, it was kind of the the high point was the cooking class that we took. Yeah, we didn't even take the toiletries out of the room. I don't <laughs> I don't think. So for um you're not supposed to I know, shh, but that's it's a great source. Um that evening, Wednesday evening was our anniversary or Wednesday and so we went to you actually lined this up to Chef Darren's kitchen table hands-on cooking class. In kitchen store. In kitchen store, of course. Everybody has a store. Um, so we got there. So what did you think of Chef Darren when it came to COVID? Um, well, he was very cautious. He did make you wash your hands quite frequently. There was two other people plus us and Chef Darren in the class. And so we all had a conversation as to mask on or mask off. And everybody decided to take their mask off. Um, so we were very cautious with the face touching and the hand washing at that point. Chef Darren has a beautiful kitchen area for people to learn to cook. And he has a lovely store with... We left with some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> with things that you never thought you needed, but you do need. You do need. And so compared to, and actually our last trip, real trip, was to Savannah to the 700 Drayton's cooking school Correct. back in March. So how did that, how did the setup, not the food, not the anything else, but how did the setup of that kitchen compare to the mansion at Forsyth or the Drayton 700? Um, Chef Darren's was, uh, Chef Darren started the 700 Drayton. Yes. So he had an idea of what he wanted. So his new place is, is really conducive to people learning how to cook and then there's a, a video cameras so that he can do it on the TV and you can be at a cooking station and additionally cook. And so he has three different setups, whereas Drayton Club um, only had one setup and we crowded around the table. That's true. They had a, they had a, a stove, three diff, distinct stations with stovetops and everything. And I think it made it nice that the class was only four of us. So do you remember the menu? Um, 
Um, it was black and blue BLT sandwiches. Yep. Um, there was a fruit salad with poppy seed dressing. Yep. And um, butter pecan cupcakes. Right. Those were good. And they're actually supposed to be low, mini loaves, but because there's only four of us, he pivoted. There's a COVID word again, pivoted into making cupcakes. And then uh, we did deviled eggs. Yes, deviled eggs. I'm not a fan of, but, uh, and then romaine spears with a chimchurri feta topping of some sort, which was pretty good. So what did you think of the hands-on involvement? He taught us a lot of new things, you know, about the measuring of flour. Yes. So <laughs> I grew up with a mom that cooked and, and instilled cooking into both of her children. And she'd always taught us to measure flour by scooping it out of the bag, patting it against the side of the bag, and then scraping it off level with the top of the measuring cup. And so, of course, Chef Darren set me up by going, does anybody know how to measure flour? And I think you pushed me in the back, so I stepped forward. And uh, and I said, I do. And so I did uh, Mama Frick's method. And he goes, everybody does it that way. And so he actually dumped what I had measured, and it was about a cup and a quarter worth of flour. And he said, don't worry, everybody does this. He says, you need to fluff your flour up, just stick your measuring cup in there and scoop it out. You don't need to level it off. And sure enough, he said, you've been making pound cakes that are what, pound and a quarter cakes all these years. Um, so that was good. He was, uh, we learned a lot. The, uh, we did learn that they have a $700 food processor that we did not uh, purchase. Did not purchase, but we did buy a. Well, we bought the Eggster, which is the, you take hard boiled eggs and you put it in this container and a little bit of water and shake it. And it takes all the peels off. And it makes it very easy to peel hard boiled eggs. And then we put, bought a spice kind of grinder yeah which was was cool that not the traditional what garlic press because those are just horrendous but this is it looks kind of like uh just you put it in and it has grits and you twist it and the the grits grind up whatever spices fresh herbs or garlic yeah it works great we've we've actually used that a lot like i said i'm not a big hard-boiled egg guy so i have not used the egg grater or whatever um, you called it. It's still in the box. Still in the box. Probably won't get used. Probably will end up at what Goodwill or the Veterans Association no. at some point. So uh, compared to Drayton, better class, worse class people? Um, I would say definitely a better class. The The gentleman had more of an experience teaching. He, he started out in California. He went to college in California. Then he moved to Europe and he worked in uh, France and um, Disney. Then he moved back to the United States and he came to here at Orlando Disney and started the cooking program with Disney, worked there for a number of years and was offered the opportunity to go up to Savannah and start the 700 Brayton cooking class and so he worked there for six years I think he said five or six years and he has moved on and created his own business which appears to be quite successful he seems to be doing good he does Facebook lives on a pretty regular basis and uh, yeah good class very personable I would agree with you on that so went back to the room Wednesday night um, and really went back to the room and <laughs> went back to the room we didn't do anything we didn't out. yeah we had you know we had brought some uh, adult beverages never made it to those got up Thursday morning 
and went to breakfast at Goose Feathers Cafe and Bakery. This was the place that we wanted to go on Wednesday, but was closed. Um, do you remember what we had? We had a bagel with eggs. Yep. Vermont cheese. I mean, just a very simple everything bagel with egg in Vermont. It was good. Um, their COVID preparations were a little bit different. Yes. They actually handed menus out, and you did put them back in a separate basket, but uh, it was very different than the Maple Biscuit Company. Uh, Maple Biscuit had one door from entering the building, one door from going out, and Goose Feathers was... I go to whatever door you want, go out whatever door you want. And to me, Goose Feathers presented more as a place on your way into work. You stop and get yourself a coffee and bagel or something like that. There, you know, there was maybe a dozen tables to sit down, and it looked like it was people like you and I, tourists on vacation. Yep, I would agree. I would agree. So from there, uh, we headed down to St. Simon's, but of course, before going out of town, we stopped and found one little free library right we look i think there was two but we only found one so we gave our um deposit of that and so we headed down to saint simon's which was i don't know an hour wasn't a long drive at all well we were supposed to go to someplace else first and spend the night but we couldn't get on the shrimp that's right we were gonna go shrimp boat like forrest gump and that we just couldn't uh they didn't they only had it on tuesday thursday and saturday and this was a Wednesday. Or it was to, they hit on Friday and we were Friday, there on Thursday. Right. So I ended up deciding to do, call an audible. We went into uh, Golden Isle or the Brunswick area. You'd never been. I've been there for business several times. And this was actually the whole downtown area was converted for a Ben Affleck movie called Live, Live by Night, Live by the Night. Typical southern town, Main Street. Uh, we kind of walked the streets, a couple antique stores, nothing no, nothing mean, to write I home about. Was, there was like a, a couple restaurants, you know, just a very sleepy town. That's, that's it. I mean, I think if you uh, were born there and raised there, you're probably, that's exactly right, probably just a, a sleepy southern Georgia town. From there, we headed back up the road, maybe 15, 20 minutes to St. Simon's. What do you think of St. Simon's? I thought St. Simon's reminded me a lot of like uh, Sanibel or Marco Island. I would agree. Uh, the, as they say, the quintessential beach town had the rows of shops. Yep. Uh, we finally bought a Christmas ornament. The first, first one of this year, actually. So we can't not talk about St. Simon's without talking about the 500-pound elephant in the proverbial room or the proverbial bay, which was... Golden Ray? Ray. The Golden Ray cargo vessel. And if you've never heard of this, this was basically a 656-foot cargo carrier, cargo ship that left the port headed for Baltimore and for the most part sank right in the bay, right off of St. Simon's. It capsized. It capsized. It started to list, I think is the nautical term, but eventually after it quit listing, it, it, it sank. And it was... Uh, the ship was carrying about 4,000 cars when it sank. Um, they had 24 fuel tanks on the boat, which most had been pumped out by the end of September, but it is still sitting in the bay. So didn't I hear something to where one of the cars caught on fire and that's what caused the problem? That I have not heard. I don't, that, when, the last article I read, they didn't know um, exactly what it capsized. I think there was 24 people on board. 
everybody made it off safely, but it is still sitting in the bay and they're in the process of cutting it up into seven, eight pieces to haul it out. So so it sat there from September through December or January or February. They finally got the gasoline out of the ship. And now they came up with a plan to saw it apart and remove it. How do you how do you even come up with a bill for that? Or I'm sure the insurance company, I'm sure half the people at the insurance company probably quit. But um, what an environmental nightmare plus a, a tragedy. And so when you look out over the bay, you see this boat on its side with all these all these scaffolding. And uh, so we're going across the bridge, and you see this big red thing sticking out. It's like an Indian burial ground or something sticking out of the middle of the water. So I say to Steve, "We had to go get a picture of this." <laughs> and I mean, no thought, we're driving through the island. He's showing me where everything is, and we're driving down there. And all of a sudden, the pier where all the people are fishing and everything. And you walk out to the pier. And you're probably what two hundred yards? I pretty much. I mean, you can see boat. people. <laughs> it's like, wow, we got a picture of that one. And and America being America, or tourist towns being tourist towns, they even sell coffee cups with a picture of the boat on it, so you can take it back with you. I think we even saw T-shirts. Yes. Possibly bikinis. Golden Ray. Yeah, Golden Ray. Um, and so after we Seven left, years. after we left there, we kind of drove around the island a little bit. We had planned to rent bikes. We kind of got. It was hot. I mean, there was just. We were we were pretty much toast anyway. Checked into the Hampton and St. Simons. Um, first impressions, especially when it comes to COVID, especially compared to the other hotel in Savannah. Well, all Hampton Inns pretty much look the same. That is true. But when you walked into this one where they typically do their breakfast, there was no food out. Whereas in Savannah, there seemed to be something sitting out where they would put their their breakfast. They had a a label across the door. Yes. So they did have a kind of like the old... uh, toilet paper seats where they had the sanitize for your protection. They actually had a sticker, which I promptly removed off the door in one piece and slapped it on the side of my suitcase. They have a strap around the remote control. Right. They had, did they do anything on the toilet? Yes. They had a strap across the toilet. Um, there were signs everywhere. I did come across a guy who was going back downstairs for something. Uh, we both hit the elevator at the same time, and he motioned me to go ahead. That was the only time in the, I don't know, two or three days that we were there that actually came across somebody else trying to get into the elevator at the same time. We didn't eat breakfast the next morning, so I don't know about the breakfast area. I'm sure it was brown bag. Probably. Probably. I mean, that and Hampton's always had the brown bags. Every time I... Uh, on board a new baby road warrior we always tell them make sure to grab a brown bag on the way out because at least you get a bottle of water you can use later on in the day dinner that night was at embers yes um which is kind of cool it was a different definitely 1970s oh it was it was like the, the dark paneling and kind of the red lights over the table Long drapes around the room Around fireplace. Around fireplace, yeah, kind of ski lodgy. Um, you had it's farm to table. That's right, but you and you had oh, what did you have? You had something that typically comes with meat that was all veggie. Was it? Well, I had the beet. 
Right, it was beet something, which actually was pretty good. I went for the... Uh, Shiitake mushrooms yeah. and bean sprouts. Bean sprouts, but it was good. I went for the typical, uh, since it's a brick oven place, I went for the brick oven pizza. It was good. Left there. A couple cocktails. Left. Yeah, a couple cocktails. They had some good classic cocktails, which actually they had some good beer on tap. They had oh, peanut butter chocolate from Terrapin, which I haven't seen in years, especially on tap. Left there. Uh, went over to Winn-Dixie to buy some white lily flour that Chef Darren had raved about um, for making homemade biscuits. So we Which bought. We did think Florida had, but we turns found out Florida, out. turns Florida out Florida has, has white lily, lily <laughs> flour. And we the made purpose for the white lily flour was because the protein protein was less. Right. So he it said was more like a baking flour. Yeah, I mean, Chef Darren was was like the Alton Brown of biscuits with his uh, mad scientist theories. But he said, yeah, the less of a protein made a better biscuit. So we bought some of that. We actually made the biscuits that we did from the class, and we'd never made biscuits. Mm-mm. So I, I mean, they were okay. I can't tell you if they were any better or any worse using his method. I think we, you were going to make a peach cobbler using his method of measuring flour, and haven't that gotten to we it. haven't gotten to it. But that was going to be our next, uh, our next kind of venture in to see if what he said had any validity. We made two more free library stops there, got rid of the rest of the books, came back across the Georgia Florida state line, did not get stopped coming nope. back into the city. And that was it. 600 miles in, what, less than three days, roughly? Left out Tuesday morning and got back Thursday afternoon. No, Friday morning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, came back Friday. Three nights. But, yeah, nothing. So where's the next trip? Where are we going? You are going away. I'm going away. What what do they say? What has two thumbs and is packing a suitcase? This guy. I'm hitting. I'm hitting the road this week, uh, which will be nice. It'll give everybody here at Chateau Relaxo a break. I've been home for I don't know since March and longer than I have been home at any time in my in the last twenty plus years of being a road warrior. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Anything else you want to say? How are you doing, COVID wise? Where's your... I'm waiting for school to start back. We'll see what's going on. So where do you want to scale a 1 to 10 when it comes to COVID and preparedness? Well, is 10 like escalated and ten, 10 means yes. Okay, so I am definitely probably at a 6 to a 7. 7. And, and we've been wearing masks. We don't have a problem with any mask regulations and... You know, a lot of hand sanitizer. Like I said earlier today, I think after being on the road for 20 years, I've built up quite a, a stockpile of immunities. But I'm getting kind of concerned that they may be uh, lessening because I've never, I, I usually typically don't get sick. I get allergies, if anything. But, I, you know, I really think a lot of it has to do with just being exposed to everything from hotels and airplanes and, you know, different cities and different temperatures and environments. We'll see because nobody that I know of anybody that I really know and frequent with has gotten sick. So let's hope that let's hope that continues. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Well, as I keep wanting to say, everybody travel safe. Until that time, I'm going to say stay safe and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, 
we cover all the topics. Thanks again. Thank you.